Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Open your heart and see. And our passage this morning is in Matthew 11, verse 1 to 15. Now, I know that the usual saying is always, you know, like you may hear or you may know that it's open your eyes and see, right? That's usually what you hear, open your eyes and see. But this morning, I don't think that's what God wants us to do this morning or as a saved child of God. I don't think that that's what God wants us to do you and me to do when we have been called into the family of Christ, that we don't just open our eyes to see, but we should open our hearts and see. Because, and that's what this passage is that we're going to to read about, that's what we're going to encounter here. And it requires the opening of our hearts so that we may see clearly of what God wants us to know about him and his kingdom, amen? And so, and just thinking about, I mean, even for myself, when I was reading this, or it, you know, and I thought, oh, Lord, what am I reading here? Like, I know that I'm reading something, but I'm not understanding it. What is the message? And that's usually the case when, as a, um, a preacher, or if you are a, a small group leader, when you had to study for something, you read something and you don't just read and take it for what it is. There's a lot that goes on behind it. There's a lot that you have to dig really deep down within your heart, in, um, depending also on the grace of God to help you to reveal what God's heart is from that scripture or from that message you're going to convey. And so it's just like, you know, I... When I, when, I say, when I say, what do you see when I show you this? What do you see here in my hand, right? Do you see, some of you might say, well, I see a water bottle. I see blue top, water bottle, coals, spring water, right? And so, but our message, like in the way we live our life, God wants us to see beyond that. Amen. Not just see with what you see here. You're just looking at a bottle. But then if I say to you, no, what do you see beyond that? Right? Now you may say, well, I see refreshment. Right? You go into details like about the water. What does it give you? It gives me energy. I see energy. When I drink water, I have energy. I see hydration, you know. Right? When you look at a water bottle. Just with anything that, so this is what I mean that I believe God wants us to do is to really open our hearts, not just look with our eyes, but really open our hearts, really open our hearts this morning that he's saying, forget about the worldly vision. Don't just look with what your eyes can see in front of you, but look deep and beyond from the eyes of your new reshaped and forgiven heart in the Lord. Amen. And it is likewise for you who you may have not received Jesus as your Lord and Savior yet, but this can also be you as well, that your heart, your life can be reshaped, reformed in the image of our Lord Jesus Christ, in his likeness. Amen. 
And so our passage this morning is Matthew 11, verse 1 to 15, and it says, When Jesus had finished giving instructions to his 12 disciples, he moved on from there to teach and preach in, the, in their towns. Now when John heard in prison what the Christ was doing, he sent a message through his disciples and asked him, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied to them, go and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised and the poor are told the good news. And blessed is the one who isn't offended by me. As these men were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swaying in the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothes? See, those who wear soft clothes are in royal palaces. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written. See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare your way before you. Verse 11. Truly I tell you, among those born of women, no one greater than John the Baptist has appeared. But the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been suffering violence. And the violent have been seizing it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John, and if you're willing to accept it, he is the Elijah who is to come. Let anyone who has ears listen. Amen. So the chapter prior, which is chapter 10, prior to our text this morning, is basically introduced to us by the offer in verse 1. It is, of course, the beginning of the ministry of Jesus on earth. Jesus has called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to go out only to the lost sheep of Israel to proclaim the kingdom of heaven has come near. And he also told them to go out and to heal sickness and diseases and to drive out impure spirits. And so from our passage this morning, we see that Jesus had not only completed giving clear instructions to his disciples of what they were to go out and do, but he himself, get this, he himself also moved on from there to teach and preach the continued proclamation of the same message in the towns and the cities of his journey. I mean, I don't know, but when I read that, like Jesus giving orders, and then after that, he didn't sit down. He didn't sit back and just relax and be like, yep, I've sent my disciples. I get to relax. This is my time to just, you know, sit back and watch the show. Let them do the work. That was very, I found that very interesting and very amazing because the God that we serve, he is the great example of all, amen, of our faith. I mean, he was a great leader. He came, he left his throne in heaven above and came to serve. And we see that here. Him, he wasn't just an instruction giver, like he didn't just instruct his disciples. No, he himself went out and also did the same. 
in proclaiming the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, of our Lord and Savior. Amen. Like, it's like for us as parents or any leaders in your own ministries, when you see God using someone new and God raises that person, you don't, you don't just say, well, this is my time to retire. No. You can never retire when you are walking with God. It is with you eternally. You can never say, well, God has raised up new leaders, a new person to take over. This is my time now to step back. No, I encourage you. It is not because Jesus Christ is giving us a great example here. We should never look at it in that way. But we should most of all be encouraged to see that God has used and, and raised up someone new. It is to actually, in addition, to be added to your ministry that these great leaders or someone new has come along to help, to ease the load, not for you to go on vacation and, and you know, do whatever, you know, and resign. And No, I encourage you, leaders, ministry leaders, parents, be a great example for your kids. We can't just give orders to our children, you know, you must do this, do that. You must not do this. But you yourself is not walking in what you are, in the instructions that you are giving. Amen? So why did I title it, Open Your Heart and See? With the exclamation mark, of course. Because I want, I believe that this is something so important it is a statement that I believe Jesus wanted to emphasize to John about his question in verse 3. When, he, when John sent his disciples to Jesus to ask, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? Are you the one? There are three points we are going to discuss this morning. And based off this very question from John the Baptist directly to Jesus, we have our first point for our title, and that is open your heart and see to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Open your heart and see to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Verse one to six. When Jesus had finished giving instructions to his 12 disciples, he moved on from there to teach and preach in their towns. Now when John heard in prison what the Christ was doing, he sent a message through his disciples and asked him, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? Verse four, Jesus replied to them, go and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor are told the good news. And blessed is the one who isn't offended by me. We learn that John the Baptist is in prison at this point. He cannot directly ask Jesus this question. So he sends his followers to ask Jesus. Go and ask Jesus. He's out there, you know, he's ministering to people. Go and ask him. I want to know if he's the one. But before we go into Jesus' response to John's question, it seemed as though John doubted that Jesus is the Messiah. Amen. It seemed as though he had doubts about his Messiah. I mean, have you ever doubted something? 
that you, that you did or something that you drew? Perhaps you've asked, are you sure they like me? Like, are you sure I look good in this? Maybe not, yeah, maybe I should return it and get, uh, maybe I look good in a red color, right? Are you sure my shoes are nice? Like, I don't think I, it looks big on me, like, right? Like, have you ever doubted yourself like that? Are you sure you want to have another kid? You know, some parents, right? Are you sure? Because if you think about it, that's a lot, you know, it's, it's getting very expensive. Like, are you sure you really want to go there? You know, are you sure, right? Should I have eaten that second donut, you know, or that, you know, should I have eaten that, uh, that second burger that I just did yesterday from Mecca's or from, you know, Hungry Jack's? Maybe I shouldn't have because that would just add to my weight and, you know, it won't help me, you know? Or we might ask, did I make the right investment? Did I make the right choice in moving here for myself? I'm speaking about myself. Did I make the right choice in relocating here to Australia, leaving everything I had back at home in New Zealand? And, re and God relocated me and my family here to Australia eight years ago. I really had to think hard about that. I was doubting myself. Why? Because I was only seeing what was in front of me. I was only seeing my circumstances, the environment that I was in. I've never been to Melbourne before. It was my first time moving here. Lord, is this really what you wanted? Like, am I sure that this is the right move because I know no one. I don't have families around. I'm, I'm just by myself here. I was really doubting myself only because I didn't really get to see from my heart of what God had planned for me. Not until later on in a year's time God revealed his plan for me and my family and for myself. And I was glad. And I was happy. I was overjoyed by his grace and his mercy. I was thankful. Is there really a God? Is Jesus really the Messiah? These may be, this was the question that John the Baptist was asking in his situation in prison. You see, when we doubt, we tend to ask many silly questions because we are not always certain about ourselves. John wondered if Jesus really was the one who was to come. Was he really the Messiah? Was he really the Christ? John was really questioning Jesus' identity here. Now, we might also be tempted to ask, how could John the Baptist doubt the Messiah? How could he have ever doubted the Messiah? Well, let's not be too hard on John here, amen? John was human himself, just like we are. He didn't understand everything just as we don't understand everything, amen? I didn't understand why I came to Australia. I just knew that we needed a change. We needed a, a change of circumstances and situation 
I just knew that I wanted my kids to have a better future. That was it. That's all I saw at the time. Until God moved in my heart and he started using me for his glory. That I grew in my spiritual life. As I got closer to him more and more each day on my knees in prayers, he continued to reveal his heart and his purpose for my life and my family and my children. And I can say that that can be the same for you. Don't just look at your situation now, but believe deep down in your heart and know and understand that your Lord and Savior, the God of creation that you serve, he can change your situation. He has a great plan for your life. Amen. Don't just look at what you see from here. Look at what you see from inside your heart. John probably doubted simply because he's in prison. Of course, he's in prison. He's in a difficult situation. How can he not? He's hearing about the deeds of the Messiah, yet his situation is still the same. He was probably thinking, why hasn't Jesus set me free from prison yet? I mean, shouldn't I be the first to receive some sort of attention from the Messiah? Can you imagine what John, you know, must have went through when he was there? Like he's hearing that God is doing all these miracles and these great works for all these people who did not do anything for him. And yet, here he is, he's sitting behind bars like, Lord, I've worked so hard for you. I've done the job that you have given me. I have proclaimed the good news, and yet I'm still sitting here in prison while you are just, you know, healing the sick and raising the dead, and nothing's done for me. What about me, Lord? I don't blame the guy, you know, <laughs> amen. I don't blame him. But again, but I want you to see the response of Jesus to John in the way he answered him. This is where we get to see clearer about what I mean about the statement of opening your heart and see, amen? Because sometimes we may doubt because we don't really understand why Jesus is doing what he's doing, right? You might say, well, I prayed for, you know, for me, for God to provide for me to go to, to, to here and there. But instead, he just, you know, he lets me be stuck here in, in this situation, you know, going to work every day I can't afford. Well, I prayed for, you know, to be a nurse. But he gives me a, a job to be, you know, uh, to work in a warehousing job, you know, right? It doesn't matter, right? That's still an answered prayer, amen? Like, God still answered you. You prayed for a job, yes, that's what you wanted. You wanted to be a nurse, you wanted to be, to work in a, in a nice office job, but yet God answered you, no, you, you should go here, right? You just, we just never understand how God moves. We never, we can never really understand why Jesus or why God does what he does. The only thing that we should be able to do is to obey and to trust and believe 
in him and, and what he's doing for us. Because he is never against us. Amen, brethren? He is never against us, but he is always for us. He's always working and doing something for our own good. Amen. That may be something that you want, but in God's eyes of what he sees your future, you, that may not suit you. I need you to be here so that you can minister to these people. I see that this place here in this warehouse, you know, place, I see that there are a lot of people who need Christ. They are, you know, hungry to know more about me. So I am putting you here to be a blessing to these people here. Because if I put you there, I don't see a need for these people who need to, to receive me in, in, in the healthcare system. You know, that could, that could be the situation I'm just saying, right? I don't see you being in there because I, I don't believe that you can be used there. I want to use you here. Perhaps we don't understand how God works. Simply because we are seeing things through the lenses of our physical eyes rather than with our spiritual eyes. Amen. Perhaps he hasn't met our expectations, so we doubt because it's easy to doubt than to believe. Amen. It's easy to doubt than to believe. You see, one thing goes wrong, and we say, is this really what you want from me, Lord? Like, I'm not sure. Is this really what you want? Or, you know, a plan doesn't seem to go according to how you envisioned it to be. And we say, you know what, Lord, I give up. Nothing's working for me. You know, I've tried everything. I tried this and that. It's not working for me. But it's only your first or second try, like your attempt of trying. How can you say that it's not working? It's only your first or second attempt. Amen? Sound judgment doesn't come on your first meeting of someone or a situation. It can never be on your first go. We got to allow room for discipline, correction, and for mistakes to arise in order that we may grow in our faith and knowledge of God to change us. Amen. So now we come to the response of Jesus in answering John's question. Jesus responds to the uh, disciples of John the Baptist in a very Jesus way. And I mean, like, you know, you know how you read how God responds and answers people when they ask questions, right? He gives parables and, and he doesn't directly tell you yes or no. He, he gives it to you to make you think. Amen. And that's what I mean. In a very Jesus way, he responds to the question of John. And Jesus quotes to them the words of Isaiah the prophet. There are multiple places in the book of Isaiah which speak of the types of things that the Messiah will do. And I'm sure that John would have been very familiar with the prophecies concerning the Christ, as John himself was a prophet. In verse 4, he says, Jesus replied to them, Go and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor are told the good news. And blessed is the one who isn't offended by me. This is Jesus' response. Now, we don't see a yes or a no here, right? Amen? 
This was his response to John's disciples. But what Jesus essentially is saying to John here, I am doing all of these things that the Messiah will do. What do you think? I'll leave it up to you, John. You can decide for yourself. You make your decision based on what you believe the Messiah to be. I am giving you all of these truths. Now it is up to you, John, to, to make your decision. Do you believe in it or not? The response of Jesus really is remarkable. That he sends these disciples back to John, pondering on the words he spoke to them. These are powerful truths that no one other than the Messiah will ever perform such miracles unless you are expecting a witchcraft spell for these to be done. Amen. There is no one else that can raise the dead. No one else can, you know, heal the blind. No one else. I mean, who else is out there, John, that you can see that can do this but me? The Messiah, the Lord Jesus. Hello to all our wonderful listeners out there. We hope you've been having a blessed weekend. As a church, we aim to bring the full word of God to all nations. And a quick and easy way you can help support this vision is by liking, sharing, and subscribing to our YouTube channel. Thank you for tuning in, and God bless. Now, you may have heard a saying, if it looks like a duck, if it quacks like a duck, then it must be a duck. Amen. You see, Jesus works and ministry were evidence of who he was. Instead of him responding to the disciples, yes, go and tell John, I am he. Rather, he said what he said, for he wanted John to see and believe from his heart and not from what he sees in his surroundings. And Jesus adds, blessed is the one who isn't offended by me. In other words, blessed is the one who isn't against me. Blessed is the one who accepts me as Messiah. God's word and truths will always offend the wicked. We see Herod Antipas was offended by what John told him, that it is against the word of God for him to marry his brother's wife. And that's why John is now in prison because of this. Herod Antipas did not agree to what John advised him to do. Therefore, he ordered for John to be arrested and put in prison. That's why we see here John is in prison. Because he didn't agree to what John said. He wanted his brother's wife. And on the other hand, Herodias, which was his brother's wife, the woman that he wants to marry... Also, she was offended by the same message and truth that John told them. She was offended. No, you can't have, you know, you, you can't have Herod because he's already married, he's got a wife. She gets angry and she gets offended, right? And what does she do? The Bible says that she ordered for John's head on a plate. To that extent, she wanted him killed. You, we see the Sadducees and the Pharisees, the teachers of the law in the Bible, they were easily offended whenever Jesus rebuked them of their self-righteousness. Amen? 
to the point where they planned a conspiracy to have Jesus arrested and crucified. Do you see how the word of God can offend people? But it should not be. Like, do you see how people can be offended so easily by the truth? Amen. We, I mean, we do have that potential as human beings, right? We have that sinful nature. We get offended so easily when someone tells us the truth. Amen. I mean, instead of being offended, hey, you know what? You know what? You're being honest. And I like that. I like that you're being honest because maybe that's something I, I wanted to hear. Maybe that's something that God wanted to reveal to me that I need to work on. Amen? That we should not look at it in a bad way, but encourage yourself and say, Lord, if this is really what, you know, you want me to work on, then, you know, help me. Help me, Lord. Give me the grace. Give me the ability to be able to work on these uh, things that people are telling me that I'm this and I'm that. It may not always be true. Amen? But what people tell you that you should not. But if you think, if it's convicting you in your heart and you think that, that yes, it's true, then that's the Lord speaking to you. Amen. If it's convicting you in your heart, then it is the right thing that you should look deeply into that and not be offended. Amen. Because perhaps that's the truth that God wants to reveal to you through this person. Amen. Jesus wants people to understand who he is and accept him as the Messiah. Accept him for what you see and read in his word from the eyes of your spiritual heart. For we live by faith and not by sight, and you will be blessed. Amen. And after John's disciples left, we see that Jesus begins to address who John the Baptist is to the crowds. And this is our second point. As we step into our second point, Jesus is now addressing the crowds about John the Baptist. This is amazing. So our second point, it says, open your heart and see to understand the characters which are not of a true prophet. Open your heart and see to understand the characters which are not of a true prophet. Verse 7 to 10, Jesus says, as these men were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swaying in the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothes? See, those who wear soft clothes are in royal palaces. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written. See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare your way before you. Jesus' words in these verses really expressed how pleased he was with John the Baptist. I mean, the fact that Jesus was in the middle of his ministry, he was healing, you know, doing all these miracles for the crowds, and John's disciples turns up and interrupts him with this question, right? And as they left, as they left, you would think that, yeah, I'm going to get back to doing what I, what was I doing again, right? No, the Bible says that Jesus immediately, he continued on from that attention that he gave to John's disciples. He continued on to speak 
about John the Baptist to the crowd. Now that says something about Jesus in his heart that he had compassion for John the Baptist. He had compassion for him while he was in prison. He showed that compassion. See, Jesus gives us the first two descriptors to tell us who John was not. The first one, John was not a reed swaying in the wind. You know what a reed is? You know, it's like a, it's like a grass that really, you know, it's, it, doesn't, it doesn't have anything to, it's not strong enough to, you know, when the wind blows it, it just, you know, it, re, it moves very easily. That's what a reed is. It's like grass, you know, very tall grass with, you know, it, go Google it. <laughs> I can't explain it, but it's like a grass. You know, it has no, it, it can, it's not strong enough to, you know, withhold the wind. That's what a reed, you know, reed is. So the first, the first um, descriptor that Jesus gives to the crowd, he says that John was not a reed swaying in the wind. That is, John was not weak and in, in, impressionable. He wasn't. He was not easily swayed by pressure from anyone. He was true to his convictions and calling by God. And second, John was not a man dressed in soft clothes in royal palaces. That is, he was not looking to rub shoulders with kings and arrogant people. Because false prophets would say whatever royalty wanted to hear to earn their favor. That's what many false prophets do, even some you know, false preachers that we have nowadays, right? They use the word of God to, to lure people in, to deceive them in doing what they want, right? But that's not what John was. John wanted only the favor of God. He would not compromise the truth of God to suit him or anyone for that matter. And finally, Jesus says who John in fact was, that John was a prophet. He was not just any old prophet. John was the one sent to prepare the way for Jesus, the Messiah. John really was a prophet, and Jesus is affirming that although John had doubts, he really was sent by God, and indeed, he lived up to what he was expected to do. Brethren in Christ, when we are doubtful and discouraged in our service for God, let these words of our Lord and Savior be an, be an encouragement to us that we should not be easily offended, that we should not be easily scared and fearful, that we should not be easily misguided, that we should not be easily weakened and be led astray by anyone and anything that this world has to offer because nothing in this world can give you happiness but Jesus Christ. Amen. We must remain and look to Christ from the eyes of our hearts to understand his marvelous will for us all. When we see from our hearts instead of just from our eyes, we understand God's will much clearer. Amen. We understand God's will much clearer and better results and achievements are reached in Jesus' name. We must be ready for whatever comes our way. We must be accepting of the changes that God wants us to create 
and to come. And we must always aim to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And I'm sure you are all seeing the great change that God is doing in this church, in your lives as individuals. Amen. I know you can testify to that because you yourselves are seeing the change of how God has changed you as a person. Gee, I'm, I'm so committed to the, to the Lord now. I mean, what is this? I've never used to be, never used to pray, you know, every week. Now I'm, I'm so committed in coming to prayer meeting. Like, what is happening? I know what's happening, right? That's God changing and moving in you. Amen, brethren? You've got to be accepting of the changes that God is giving you. God, there's, when you, you know, when you come in the, to the Lord, it doesn't, of course, it doesn't just happen overnight. You've got to be patient. You've got to be patient in the Lord to allow for those improvements, to allow for those changes to happen. Amen? We must be ready. You must be ready for whatever God has in, in store. You must be ready. And so God is saying, open your heart and see that you may be blessed in your hearing. And that's our final point. Open your heart and see so that you may be blessed in your hearing. Verse 11 to 15, and it says, Truly I tell you, among those born of women, no one greater than John the Baptist has appeared, but the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been suffering violence, and the violent have been seizing it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you're willing to accept it, he is the Elijah who is to come. Let anyone who has ears listen. Jesus makes these two huge statements back to back. Where he says, first, there is no one who has ever been born of woman who is greater than John the Baptist. No one. That's a, pretty, like, that's a very big statement, isn't it? It's a very big statement to make. Because if you think about it, we are all born of women, right? Like that, that's really us. You can think about, you know, King Charles now, like, right? It doesn't matter if you're a, a son of a queen or a king, or it doesn't matter if you're a wealthy person, your dad is a famous actor or, you know, a famous singer, right? Doesn't matter, you are not greater than John the Baptist. But if you think about John the Baptist, he really was, he wasn't, you know, a, a man who was so wealthy. Like, in the Bible, he was a prophet. Like, he, he didn't have anything on him. He was, he was just plain poor, as some of us may see it, right? He was a poor man. He had nothing on him. Yet, Jesus is speaking and telling us here, there is no one that has ever been born of woman who is greater than John the Baptist. Jesus has, has no problem with John. He has no problem even with his doubting. And so he calls John a great prophet and then says that there is no one that has ever been born who was greater than John. Because John was righteous. He was brave. He was unique. And he was the prophet who got to directly prepare the way for the Messiah. 
He was great. And that's what a great person is in the eyes of the Lord. Amen. It is not about what you have. It is not about how you dress yourself, the way you look, the way you present yourself. It is not about that. It is about you and how you are used by God for his glory. Amen. And so Jesus makes the second statement that the person who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John. This is actually a promise. Because the first statement is actually a truth. That no one is ever born of a woman is greater than John. That's the truth. And then he makes the second statement, which can be a promise. That actually, but if the least, the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John. Now I'm going to explain to you about this, what this means. Because you see, that's remarkable, isn't it? John is the greatest and the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John. What does it mean? In other words, the person who knows Jesus for who he truly is and what he's truly done on the cross has access to something greater than any other experience of those before the work of Jesus. John the Baptist was fantastic. He was, he was holy. He sought God. He was the greatest prophet ever. But he experienced nothing like what those of us who truly know Jesus can experience. He never got to experience Jesus that way, the way we do, the way we had the Holy Spirit moving in us. Amen. Jesus goes on to say that people have shown violence towards the kingdom of God. And we see this in, in Matthew chapter 10, the previous chapter. That people have shown violence towards God's prophets and God's ways for thousands of years and they continue to do so to this day. In countries where it's most dangerous to follow Jesus, Christians you know, are being martyred, Christians are being killed and murdered for their faith. In countries, most, you know, in the Islamic countries, North Korea, Afghanistan, Iran, that's where the, these Christians, Christians, our brothers and sisters in the faith, they are being killed by their faith. And that's what's sad about it. That's what, you know, these people who are so offended by the truth, they're doing this. They are so brutal. Like, they just don't want to accept Jesus for who he is. However, John was the Elijah to come that he has prepared the way for God's people to receive God and has prepared the way for something new. He's prepared the way for the kingdom of God as revealed and renewed in Jesus. And we must understand and embrace who Jesus is, amen? We must embrace who he is. That if we listen, that if we learn and live for the kingdom of God, if everything that we do and say is for the extension of the kingdom of God, we will be blessed. Amen. Because God does not fail his words. He doesn't fail. Open your heart and see from the depths of your soul that we may understand God is working directly so that we are bl a blessing to others in order that they might be his people and enter his kingdom as well. Amen. 
When you doubt, remind yourself of the work of Jesus. That is, you know, it's in the Bible. Remind yourself about that. That he is a healer. He is a protector. That he is our redeemer. Amen? Remind yourself about the work of Jesus. Remind yourself of how the gospel changes your life. Amen? Remember that Jesus left his throne. He left his holy place in heaven above and came down. Came down so that we may enter the kingdom of heaven. Amen? The kingdom of heaven has come in greater force than ever before in Jesus. It will not be established in violence. It will not be. But it can never be powerless as well. Amen. Because our God is a powerful God. Amen. For our Lord is the greatest Messiah, a working wonders and miracle maker. He is our salvation, redeemer, and our everlasting King Jesus, who came from heaven so that we might be with the Father eternally in heaven. Amen. Let the coming of Jesus make you great. Experience the power of Christ in your life today. If you haven't received him yet, experience the power of Christ in your life today. You have been made great by the works of Jesus. And I challenge you, if you have not yet received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to challenge you today, this morning. I want you to ask yourself if you believe the story of Jesus. You may doubt from time to time, but always take time to reflect on Jesus and his work. Always reflect on his work done from you, for you on the cross. Always think about Jesus being hung on the cross. That was huge. That is something that we should not take lightly. Amen. Read into his truths founded in the Bible. That's where you can start to believe, to have that knowledge of Jesus Christ and his story. And ask yourself if you're really living for the kingdom of heaven. The joys that come with living for the kingdom of heaven far outweighs the joys of this earth. Amen, brethren. When you live for the kingdom of heaven, you become satisfied with even a small blessing daily. You are satisfied. Amen. Because your focus is no longer self-centered, but Christ-centered. Amen. So make kingdom-minded choices this week. And the week after that, and the following week, continue to do so until you have fully transformed into the likeness of Jesus Christ. Amen. Make choices that reflect the kingdom of heaven. Make choices that reflect the fact that Jesus is Lord of your life. Amen. Amen, brethren. Live differently for Christ. Love differently as Jesus loved you. Pray differently as your life depends on it. Forgive differently as you have been forgiven. Give differently as God gave up his only son for you and I. And speak differently as a new creation in Christ Jesus. So open up your hearts and see, brethren,
that you may believe and continue to follow in him today. That you may be great in receiving his grace and his mercy. So that you may be blessed in all that you do. Not just for yourself, but for his great work. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much. Thank you for your word for us this morning, Lord, founded in Matthew 11, Lord God, about your great ministry that you had here on earth, Lord, when you came for the first time, Lord God. That people in those times, Lord Jesus, got to see the great work that you did, Lord God. And now for us, Lord, we experience it by your Holy Spirit, Lord Father God. For you have died, Lord Jesus Christ, and ascended to heaven in three days, Lord God. And so that is the truth that we hold dearly in our hearts, O oh Lord. The sacrifice that you made for us on the cross. That is the event, Lord God, that we must hold dearly as your children, Lord God, to be reminded about your love, Lord, every day of our lives, Father. Thank you for your faithfulness, O oh God. Thank you for the way that you move amongst your people. Thank you that you are blessing them in their lives. Thank you that you are touching their hearts and transforming and changing them in the way that you want them to be, Lord. Father, I see people who are broken here today, Lord God. I see those who are needing, Lord God, of your grace and of your mercy, Lord, to help them with something, with an addiction or whatever it may be that they are suffering with, Lord God. Maybe something that it is so hard for them to let go, Lord God. Lord, Father, I pray that you will bless them, Jesus. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will be the one. It is your grace, O oh God, that has given to us, that was given to us, O oh Lord, that we are able, Lord God, to do what we do only for your glory, O oh God. Lord, I just want to thank you so much for your people. Thank you for your children who are here this morning. Bless their hearing, Lord God, as they have received your truth and your word, Lord. Help them, Lord Jesus Christ, to make those choices and those changes for the better of not only for themselves, but for your church, for your great work, Lord God. That they will be used by you, Lord Jesus Christ, to go out there and proclaim your truth, Lord, to proclaim your gospel, the great news of salvation, Lord, so that we can be a blessing to others, Lord, and bringing them here, Lord God, into your family, Lord Jesus, receiving you as their Lord and Savior, oh God. Father, I pray that you will bless the hearing as well, Lord God, of those who are watching from home, Lord God. Bless them in their ministries, O oh Lord. Use them mightily for your work, Lord God. We thank you so much, O oh Lord, to you be the glory always. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah.